What's on the silver screen? I got some takes you wouldn't believe. Paul, right? Oh, with Sucker Punch? Oh, I thought Josiah was. Oh, I didn't know that. I wasn't prepared to. Oh, wait. I didn't know. I thought, I thought you, you were. I thought. I thought. I thought. Oh, no, I'm, I thought I'm I was. I'm just kidding. Close. I just wanted everybody to. <laughs> I have no I'm, idea. Rabbit season. I just know I'm. <laughs> I, I guess I could have sucker. I'm not really uh, uh, prepared to do that. Hey, so. guess what? That's kind of like how the movie felt the whole time. <laughs> that the entire movie was totally not prepared did. for anything whatsoever. <laughs> Yeah, we're already there. We we're right on on. Uh... I, I like how we've done like Green Lantern and like other stuff, and then like this is the one we're just like I don't I don't I don't want to host. No, you host. I don't I don't want, I don't want, no you host. I don't want to. I think no no this, one wants to be too closely associated with it. It's time we're gonna be three way hosting on a three person. Podcast. I can do it. I, I could I could do it if you want. I, oh, you know I'm keeping all this in right because this is yeah. Great. <laughs> no, I think we should totally. Like, because you probably have more notes than I do. I, I think, <laughs> like, you have the plot and everything, and it's mostly just it's just my notes are uh, like covered in my tears though. So, but we'll work with that. So, hello and welcome to Popmosis. Oh, wait, start. Wait. We are started. This is all. This is all happening. Yeah. Oh wait, the with, yeah, with, it's all. That's all. We're this. gonna be real with this, Paul. This is the way it is. I feel like we were this more prepared. We this conclusion. I, I feel like we were more prepared for this podcast than I was to actually watch the film. Because I had never <laughs> seen this film before. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Neither did <laughs> I. I had not seen it either. I, this is my second time watching it, and it's never been as miserable as the first time. <laughs> I mean, it was... It was, yeah, it was a we'll chore to get out. through it. So, we were talking about Sucker Punch Wait, Are today. we prepping, or is this the actual no, podcast? this is the actual podcast, Paul. <laughs> oh, shit, I'm we're sorry. Not, we're not dreaming, Paul. We're not hallucinating. Well, I thought we're you not were kidding. I thought no, you were this kidding. isn't this isn't a like a dream within a dream. Paul, wake up! We're podcasting within a podcast within a podcast. And then the twist ending is where you did a thing that you obviously did at the beginning of the movie. Is that what's happening here? In the dream, was there no weight to the actual person? <laughs> None whatsoever. <laughs> it was, Paul, you're gonna wake up. You're gonna wake up boarding a bus after this. Oh, it's and it's all it's all style. That's yeah. this podcast, all style, no substance. And you're gonna like feel, and you're gonna so feel, you, you, you're gonna wake up walking onto a bus and feel so much smarter than than both me and Josiah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which isn't saying much, to be fair to to our <laughs> but still, I like how the movie's ugly and beautiful at the same time. It's like all these like muted, horrible colors. And like stylized, yeah. but then like it's so ugly. It's it's so bizarre. It is. This is so this, this is let's, let's just say who we oh. are. For those of you who might be new to oh. this this podcast, we're not usually this chaotic. Maybe we yeah. are, but we at least usually know who's hosting. But as we were not sure, we <laughs> any of us wanted any association with this film. So <laughs> I, I guess it falls. Well, well it, it falls to me. But uh, my 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 brothers in uh, bad movie watching. Tyler and Paul will support me as we go through this, and if any of us pass out, the other will pick up where the other one left off. So we're watching Zack Snyder's Sucker Punch, produced by Snyder and his wife. Uh, what's her name? Deborah, right? Deborah. Deborah Snyder. Yes, okay, my notes. There it is. Uh, with cinematography by Larry Fong, who also did 300. He worked on Lost and 
um, The Watchmen, a lot of Zack Snyder, sorry, Batman vs. Superman, a lot of very moody looking things. And written by Snyder with Steve Shibuya, who I looked up his stuff about him. The most interesting thing was, weirdly, he was a production assistant on Killer Clowns from Outer Space, which I know the Kyoto Brothers. I just thought that was such a weird credit to have. And he hasn't done a ton. And you look and there's like four or five credits for him. And one of them is that production assistant on that film where he did. uh, He was an effects assistant, apparently. So it was released on March 25th, 2011. And very, 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 very loosely based on Alice in Wonderland. Um, The budget was. Can can we just start (laughs) off with saying I don't fucking see it for one goddamn second in the whole entire film. Like, I don't. Besides the fact that they're in a mental institution. Um, that is it. If I didn't like read it from um, Zack Snyder or, or, like interviews and stuff, yeah, no, like it's not. It's like, oh, it's a girl who goes into a fantasy world. Yeah, which is half of movies. I was so surprised! I didn't even know that that was the case. That it was like it had any association. Yeah, I, I, I just I don't get it. I've, it, it, I'm thought, so confused. I thought like at the end when she's driving away. Uh, that it was connected to the Wizard of Oz because you see a scarecrow in the distance. Like, that's what I thought. That there's, like, some <laughs> connection to the Wizard of Oz. That's a better parallel, actually. But I mean, it's in Kansas at the end, right? A, okay, she got her cool. brain back, and the scarecrow got his brain, too. <laughs> <laughs> that was messed yeah, up. Cool. See, it's, it's funny how we're thinking about it more than Zack Snyder did. Probably. <laughs> so let's, let's look at a few uh, more of the details in this movie to uh, just before we lambast it March 25th, 2011, this was released or unleashed upon theaters with a budget of $82 million. It opened at 19 million. So opened pretty big at the trailer. I mean, this is a movie that was like built for trailers yeah. and that's it. Cause you have like cool action and hot girls and that's pretty much the pitch for the movie. I'm, I'm assuming it grossed a total in the world uh, worldwide 90 million with only 36 million US. So think about that. It opened at 19 million in in the United States, total of 36 million. So that is a huge drop off to the rest of its probably brief theatrical run. It stars Emily Browning as Baby Doll, Abby Cornish as Sweet Pea, Jenna Malone as Rocket, Vanessa Hudgens as Blondie, and Jamie Chung as Amber. And it's uh that's who is in it. There's some other people too. Uh, Oscar Isaac is some guy. Oh yeah, like a baby-faced <laughs> Oscar Isaac. I know. Yeah, he looks, he looks so, so young. I, yeah, yeah. And it wasn't and that long ago. Yeah, yeah, it's like 2011. Did I look that young that long ago? I don't know. I guess I. I mean, I know I uh, have way more. As uh, I like to put it, winter in my beard than I did then. But I don't know that I look like a an infant like Oscar Isaac did. <laughs> yeah. Because he's like yeah. what? Uh, he's a brothel owner in the fantasy. Right. No, he. Yeah, well, I don't know which and level then, of fantasy that is. So. And then he's the uh, orderly when it's the hospital, which is the reality. I don't know. But is that the reality? Because with there, yeah, there's ver- there's levels of reality here, right? <laughs> or there's they're trying to be. Sure. So let's just give a little <laughs> bit of context for the film. So, um, <laughs> I like literally the first thing was right. You know, I'm, I'm searching this on. It's currently, as we watch it on HBO, as they have, I think, a streaming contract with Warner Brothers. And I'm literally typing the word suck. <laughs> I typed in suck to look for it. And that just sums up everything with the experience for this film. To find it, you just 
search suck and it will appear before you. So um, apparently it was almost rated R. It should have been rated R, but it was edited down to a PG-13 version. And it's not because of any of the action stuff. This is, you know, we might touch on some Snyder cuts here and there, which are kind of a big thing now. But apparently (laughs) there is a director's cut of this on DVD that's like almost 20 minutes longer that I have no no interest in watching. Please, please, oh God, no. And apparently, because John Hamm is in it, right? He's the guy who's going to poke her in the eye or no, whatever, to give her the 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 doctor or whatever. The bridge. Apparently, he um, was intended to essentially rape her for lack of a, a you yeah. know force himself on her and that was stuff that was cut out because that oh, was what was god. pushing it in r rating so <sighs> thank god i was like uh, it's just because, so, because when you see so unnecessary no so unnecessary but at the same time when you see that actor in that part you're like why would they get that guy to be like an extra glorified extra because he does so little in this version of it not no. that that makes the movie better but that's just – so that's what made it not uh, R-rated. So um, <laughs> my notes are things like literally slow motion doesn't equal dramatic or powerful. Is this a two-hour music video? <laughs> <laughs> this this movie. But can I, can I uh, – you just, know, one thing. Go ahead. Go ahead. First time I was watching the movie, I was confused how the little sister died. Was it a ricochet from the bullet when she fired the gun? Or was it the steam? No. Like the steam, powerful steam killed her? Or was it the stepfather? I had no idea how the little sister died. Like, Oh, it was. I think it was Ricochet. It was the that Ricochet. That was my understanding that it was Ricochet. She, she, oh, that she okay. killed her when she tried to shoot the dad or I whatever. I thought it was the stepfather that like killed her. Yeah, see, I see actually had, those, I had the same thing. I thought it was the stepfather as well. But I think it was because they showed it at the end of the movie. I, I ended up... Like I, I just remember seeing like the lamp moving, and I was like, and there was no reason for that lamp to move. So I figured, I think it just ricocheted off of the lamp and hit and hit her. Because there's like throughout the film, one of the is this a motif in a Zack Snyder film? There was sure. always a broken bulb on the makeup mirror. There's a broken bulb. There's a broken bulb because there's a the broken bulb after she shoots. So she shoots uh-huh. the bulb, and that's what then kills the sister. And I thought it, to me it was obvious that at the beginning that she killed the sister. And that they wanted you to think, oh, was it? It kind of sort of point to the dad, but not completely point to the dad. So that then the whole movie is the revealing that she killed the sister. And um, I read a review that, that described that. I think the review was kind of nice to this movie. And it essentially said that's the sucker punch that the twist at the end, like, but giving it too much credit, I think. Oh, a thousand percent. I have <laughs> so many things to say about this movie. It's just hard to put them in words because of annoyance. Like I, I, I get so annoyed thinking about this film that I don't know how to like articulate it. I don't know if that's like a thing for you with you guys. No, I, I do. Literally my notes are, are is, normally. Is it like, okay. All right. I, I know I, this is how I will, like, should we just like do a quick review and then we'll just go through the movie? We can do whatever you want, man. Yeah. Let me We're just... gonna sucker punch the audience right now. Just yeah, like go Yeah, <laughs> man. Lazy. This movie is a thousand percent lazy. Not 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 the uh, not the graphics, not some of the performances. But I will say this: this movie has some of the shittiest storytelling I've ever seen. That script is so, so bad. I feel like he wrote one draft and was like, I'm done, and that's it. And and um, 
I, I will say this. I think that Vanessa Hudgens was fantastic. Um, and I'm forgetting all the other names of the actresses as well. Um, everybody. Scott, to- Scott, Scott Glenn was amazing too, as the sort of mentor character. Yeah. But it's That's just all another he plays, example. Isn't that just all he plays? No, no context whatsoever for him to be in this movie. Yeah, not like, at all. Yeah. But I'll, you have to give some context, like maybe create a sense that he is the idealized version of her father. Anything? Not they did none of that. No, like, it doesn't exist. A There's it, it's a movie, movie that thinks it has substance because it looks a certain way, but it has no substance it because doesn't. it's not in the story. No, it doesn't. And like I, I will say this, Emily Browning, even though I've seen her in other movies like Sleeping Beauty and a few other things as well, she is a phenomenal actress. Or actor, she is not in this film at all. No, she's she, terrible in this, and I, I yeah, I don't really so bad. She's so lazy. Every time there's a fight scene, she looks like she's just not trying at all. We're like Vanessa Hudgens and Jenna Malone, I think is her name. Just fucking brought it. They were awesome. Like they, like, they were great. They look like action stars. They, they, they really, really, really made it feel like what was happening was actually happening. Like whenever, like, and there was a, there was a point where like they all jump and there's like tw- like 20, like a 20 foot jump and everybody else does like the whole, like where they like kind of like fall a little bit and then they get up and then they, and then they, they have to like, you know, um, kind of what's it, what's the word I'm trying to think. Just kind of stabilize where she's just like, she just falls and then just keeps walking normally. And I'm just like, man. And like all these action sequences, she's just so boring. I'm like, why aren't you using a stunt, like a stunt person? Who will actually try and will actually throw a punch? Like it's so bad. It just took me out of the movie. Like it, it's, this movie is just so lazy and annoying. And that's my review of the film. <laughs> that's that's in a nutshell. Five stars. Oh. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> like my, like my thoughts were. I literally as I'm watching it because it's 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 a I don't even. It's not a beautiful film, but it's just a, it's a well made film in terms of production art. Like. The, the effects, the action, yeah. all those things are, are fantastic. It's like so expertly made, but with just a storytelling that's terrible. And but there's a there's like a trashy feel to it in terms of just everything. Like the the real world in that movie feels so dirty, but even the fantasy within the fantasy, it all feels like grimy. Yeah, like mm. you know, like in a but in a negative way, not just like gritty and real, but just kind of grimy. I agree. And, it's like, yeah, and every I level, it's like one thing I always think, okay, if the real world in that mental institution, whatever the real world is, that should be this sickening world that you need to escape from. It is so horrible. You need to find this place that you mentally go to have an action adventure. And then the action adventure world has to have some level of beauty to it. It's just as grimy as everything else. And maybe like it stays grimy for the fight and then you break through and there's some kind of level of something that she's reaching for that, that beauty that she can never attain, but there's, it's never teased. We never have that in this world. It's just, no, there's more grime over there, more grime <laughs> over there. Like it's, it's, all uh, men, all the men in the movie are like sweaty and gross and like they have pimples. And like, I mean, I'm, I'm okay it, with that too, though. Like, I mean, it's kind of creepy. It, it, it sets a precedent. Like, can I also say that I think that this movie is trying to be so feminist that it's not at all. Like it isn't at all. It is. I don't. I don't find this empowering at all. I find. It... I, I, I. Yeah. I would. I cannot really speak to that. But it, no. Like, I know. I'll but say like... this. No. You know what? I can. I can because I'm a father to two little girls, and so it's definitely makes me evaluate things in a different way because I want them to grow up in a better world than you know I grew up in, for example. But I would not want them to watch this movie. Well, I, that's well, what I think about. It. I wouldn't want them to see this as something that they would aspire to. Can, can, can I compare? Like, so, like, I, I want to say, like. 
I feel like he, he tried. He tried really, 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 really hard. But uh, to me, it just doesn't. Like, have you guys seen Harley Quinn? Yeah, yeah, the uh, Birds of Prey. Yeah, Birds of Prey. Have you seen Birds yeah, of Prey yeah, yet? Sure. I have not seen Birds of Prey. Okay, well then, Paul, I will say that I think that he tried so hard for Oscar Isaac's character to be, like, Black Mask. I mean, I can see that. It definitely did not work. And, I mean, that really has to go with the direction, you know? They, they didn't know how to direct the characters. There's no emotional weight to anything that happens in the movie. And, like, here's the thing. I always, I always play this game. Like, whenever you see a movie... And you want to understand if the characters are, you know, have any kind of dimensions. Like, can you describe them without saying what they look like, what their ethnicity is? You know, can can you describe them as characters? And like, can you take any one of these characters and describe them, you know, without no. the most like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you like, can. Oh, you're right. You're, you're totally right. And that's no way yeah, to describe that's... them. Like, how do you describe Baby Doll? Uh, she fights a lot yeah. and she's blonde. You know, like. What can you really? There's like no. Yeah, she's like, like, the, she's like late '90s Britney Spears. Yeah, yeah. I you mean, don't know these characters, and so why do you care about their journey? Why do you care about their journey from, you know, when do they go to the asylum, and then they go and she she goes off into like that fantasy world with the uh, you know some kind of brothel, and then even more so a fantasy world where like she's fighting dragons and killing Nazi zombies, and I mean. I know this is cliche to say it, but it, it all felt like a video game. Like every yeah. every fantasy was like a, a level, and she had to get the item at the end. And I know that's like, I think something like that would have been profound if video games like were still kind of new. Like if, if this movie came out, <laughs> or if this movie or something. No, even if this movie somehow acknowledged that too, that could be part of it. And also, one of the things that this movie that did nothing for this movie was why does it need to be a period piece? Yeah. It's just like because you want it to be for the style purposes? I have three questions. One thing, what fucking year does this movie take place in? Because it feels like it should be taking place like in the 1940s and then they go outside and there's like modern cars and shit. Like, what? And secondly, um, was it's just what the dancing what like what what is happening and also how do you fuck up like f- awesome fantasy scenarios that they came up with how do you make that boring and like i, I tried watching this movie it t- this movie took me three attempts to watch i know i'm the one who picked this movie to, uh, for the podcast <laughs> yeah and thanks I, for that buddy. yeah, yeah no, thanks, buddy. Hey, no problem appreciate it buddy <laughs> hey no problem buddies but i i wanted to get through this because i actually know a lot of people who do love this film and this concerns me. <laughs> I do not so like this. The, film. Why, why? Why do they love it? Like when you talk to them, I what are the don't know. I like. I know. I know one person I can think of that li- loves it, and he is a visual artist, and he is a really, 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 really talented visual artist. Uh, but he's not a storyteller, and he's you know doesn't try to be. He he's he's a sculptor and he's a painter. Yeah, and therefore he appreciate he he loved this movie when he saw it. it mm. He thought it was just brilliant because because he doesn't care about the story. So I I mean not that the people you're talking about are the same, but at least I understand yeah. with him because on that level it does work. There they, is that appeal there. It just it's there's times where it's like this is downright gorgeous, but I would almost get angrier because of that because I absolutely did not care about anything. Yeah. They like it because they thought it was empowering, and I don't understand it. And they just said it was because of struggle. And I'm like, okay, but 
like I, I I don't know I I think and it's, it's, sorry to go back to it but it's like when when you have Birds of Prey and then to this movie Birds of Prey is so more so empowering and like so good and this is just pathetic like narcissistic and like trying to be so smart and and deep and so dark and edgy and yet it just falls flat it doesn't make any sense and like it's a waste of time and every single character like what paul said is just a it's just like honestly a blah every character even jc guys even oscar isaac's uh character is just i'm i'm angry i'm angry guy grr like <laughs> nothing to, like nobody in this film is worth anything or and and the thing is is like Zack Snyder did he get his start from like doing music videos is that how he started mm, out I mean a lot of directors do I don't know Yeah and I think I think he was like more like an art director visual effects style like he like he's come he comes from from the little I know it is definitely more from the his interest in film is definitely more on the visual side uh, he, like his are, background are... in art you are correct. He did like Rod Stewart, ZZ Top, Soul Asylum, Morrissey, yeah. Peter Murphy, Play- Playground, Lizzie Borden. I mean, big stuff. And then Dawn of the Dead was his first film. Except you gotta understand those those music videos all have really great stories. <laughs> I have no, I have no idea what. I know. Well, yeah, visually, it, you know these these this movie is amazing visually, but the the, the problem is like there's no again you don't care about the characters, you don't care about the what, what's happening to them. And there's no weight to anything they do. Everything in the fantasy, like, oh my god, that there's like a neutrino bomb that blows up a city with, uh, you know, Jenna Malone or whatever in it, and like that has no weight at all. Yeah, so anything all. That happens. Yeah, she just gets stabbed by that. <laughs> that was one thing too. Like I thought that the movie really needed. There was no. You have like 18 action sequences where no, there's no consequence. And then finally in the last maybe third of the movie is when Jen Malone gets killed or stabbed in the real world and it affects the fantasy world. You need to establish stakes earlier so that these sequences throughout the movie mean something. That doesn't happen until very late in the film. Yeah, and, and by that point and by that point you're so far tuned out that you're like, I don't care. I want them to all be dead. Yeah, and like, like and all we knew about her was that she was just kind of like aloof and that she was uh and that she was very forgiving and very, you know, like, like that's it, and I'm just like, okay, but who are you? <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, no, I, I'm sassy. That's all you need to know. Yeah. So, uh, I, you know, I, I actually felt, I have short hair. Yeah. That's my I trust characteristic. People. Yeah, I trust people, and you're like, that's 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 not a character. Trust is not a character. <laughs> well, that wasn't one of the things though, because like, and then Baby Doll, who has shows nothing that she should be like the ringleader, comes up with this plan that I'm gonna write on the back of this chalkboard thing. That it's four words long that I need I on this chalkboard, and so I... it can later be discovered. Why do you need to write that down? And that is... I like how she hides it behind something that everybody looks at, you know, yeah. Yeah. chalkboard, and it's just on the other side. As if she's trying to hide her plan. It was a, it was a Clark Kent thing, is what it was. <laughs> Staring you uh, right in the face, it's right there. Oh, it's so, destiny. Yeah, for me, I had a hard time watching it. I actually fell asleep and watched it. And I was like, oh, fuck, I still have to watch that movie. So I went back and I, like, went back to where I was and I, you know, started watching it. And I kept on falling asleep. Yeah. It took me, like, three or four tries just to, like, finish it. Yeah, I and- I, I watched it once. Uh, I fell asleep about two-thirds of the way in. And then I went back to rewatch the entirety of it. And I just kept on pausing it. And just my ADHD was just like, I got to do something else. When it's weird because 
I'm usually fine watching a film. And man, I'm right there with you. I, I just needed a break. <laughs> I, I'll say this. Normally when I watch these things, I, I do it late after the girls are asleep, my kids are asleep. And normally I'm I'm watching it. For the most part, even if it's a bad movie, I want to watch it through just to experience the whole thing ideally i like yeah. to watch movies like that i always have that's why that's why i like going to a theater because i like to just be consumed by a movie as i watch it and that's hard mm. to do as a parent in particular these days um but as i'm watching this i'm literally like god please wake up can one of the kids wake up wake up go here crying <laughs> baby wake up oh no no, no. like judy and judy's like turn yeah. the movie down turn the movie down but i'm like a little bit louder. Maybe they'll hear it. I'll yeah. have to go take a break. Get her back to sleep. <laughs> what were you gonna say, Paul? Sorry, I think I cut you off. Oh, so actually, when it you know when it got to the end credits, I was like relieved. <laughs> I was like, oh, thank God it ended. Yeah. Oh, sweet Jesus, this movie's over. And then they play this song where it's like Oscar Isaac and Carla Gugino. She was like, they're singing and they have these dance. They're flashing like these sequences of these dance dance numbers, and I'm like. Why didn't they have that in the movie? Yeah. Like, this sequence is better than, like, most of the movie. <laughs> like, they should have put it, in, inserted that into the movie to give it some kind of levity. And, like, and even, like, the way it was shot was, like, with bright colors and, like, visually pleasing. And, like, it was a good song and everything. And I was like, why did you leave this for the credits? This is, like, so I'm, I'm wondering if, like, is the movie the way it is because of Zack Snyder? Or is it because of the editing? Like, who was the one to point? I, I think it at? is because I think it is Zack Snyder. That's my uh, my thought is because this I think is Zack Snyder sort of without any restraint whatsoever. Yeah, and I think he he's a, he can be a really fantastic filmmaker, but it's just Zack, do whatever you want to do because he's coming off of success with Three Hundred, success with uh, the Dawn of the Dead remake, yeah. success with. Watchmen, all those things made money. Yeah, they were so he's like, he, he, this is his do what you want film, oh. and it's it, he just went too all over the place with it. And I think Zack Snyder, when I hear him talk about his films, it's always more interesting than any of his films. Yeah, he's always has more to say, but he doesn't always execute it. Uh, yeah. There's always things going on that it just doesn't always execute in the filmmaking, in particular in this film where he didn't have. You know, I don't want to blame the writer by any means, but maybe not like he could have used more support there to start with. Okay, let's get a really good writer on with you, like someone who, uh, you know, a name you know that has a track record. Not that that matters. You know, yeah. you, nobody can be a good writer, but just some kind of writer that would have helped reel it in because that's, I think, where it sort of stands. I, I agree. I, I absolutely a thousand percent would blame Zack Snyder on this. And also the casting of Emily Browning. Um, I definitely think if you look at things that'll maybe look like there's more studio involvement or maybe his animated film, uh, you know, Legend of Gahul, which I actually very much love. I love that oh, film. Oh, yeah, he did that Owl movie, right? It's a great film, and he directed it. But I feel like Zack Snyder needs a directing partner. Like a like a, you know like a, like a uh, Phil Lord like Chris Miller like like you know I I feel like he maybe he's like a creative one and then he needs somebody to be more of like the visual one and or the a visual side of it and that's how like a lot of director pairings work and I and like I mean look look at look at the success of like Endgame and Infinity War I mean 
with, with the uh, I'm forgetting the name of the brothers. Um, the Russos. The Russo Perfect. brothers from like Community and, and Arrested Development. I mean, they're amazing and they work so well together. And then you have yeah, Phil Lord, Chris Miller, and a and a you know it, it's I think Zack Snyder has some great ideas, but man, I don't think he's good on a production. I don't think he yeah I don't I I think he focuses so much on like techniques and stuff as opposed to the meat of the movie which is performance which is story which is capturing um which is having a very very good visual shot that also complements as to what the tone of the scene is like what you were saying you you have like these uncomfortable close shots when they're supposed to be dancing or preparing to dance when they're doing that you should see it should be like an out shot where you see an entire room for them to fill in and you just kind of like you know, and it, it it's it's just un like not even vocal stuff. It's just things that you just kind of see. He doesn't. I just don't think he, in like Man of Steel. Uh, you know, has lacks it so much, and it's just a problem that he has. Batman v Superman, Man of Steel, all these movies where they're actually good concepts, and he has a good team, but it's just really shit execution, and they all have different editors. Isn't the studio just like doesn't give him any notes or something like? Because it feels like he doesn't, like there's nobody getting, there's no oversight, you know, that it's, it's purely just his vision and nobody kind of reining it in. Well, I mean, Christopher Nolan was there for Man of Steel and consulted. He was, he was only a producer. I, I was at a, a thing where he talked about it. He was only a producer on a name because he essentially, David Goyer pitched the concept to him. And he brought it to the studio with mm. David Goyer, and that was where he stepped away. So he wasn't really oh, a consultant. Oh, so he wasn't even on it then. So yeah, so that was where his his uh, involvement ended. And I actually saw that he did a conversation about The Dark Knight right. That was right when Man of Steel came out, and because basically, Dark Knight Rises, yeah, was, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry that, that he was um, distancing himself from it a little bit, where because they're like, oh, what was your involvement? He's like, well, I just essentially was you know he. He played it. He he maybe downplayed it a little bit, but in the he essentially was saying, "Oh, I set up the meeting." Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, what yeah. It, sounds, it sounded like. Would but you... really, that is true because it was in the story. There was David Goyer, and I think honestly, I think that's why Man of Steel works a little bit better because you have a David Goyer who I think he has some missteps along his career, but he's a stronger story guy. Yeah, and I think when that's what I think Zack Snyder really needs. Whatever that's a, a like a partner who's a writing partner who maybe doesn't co-direct with him but writes and is there through the whole process to make sure the story stuff gets followed through with or something that there's that but that element is missing consistently in otherwise good films and yeah. always films that are at least interesting to talk about. I mean, this is the only one I would definitely say is absolutely is, is a bad film. I, I don't care for three hundred. Yeah, but, I, I'm not, I don't either. I think this is absolutely his worst film. I really like 300, and when this movie came out, um, like I liked Dawn of the Dead a lot. And I, when when I first saw Dawn of the Dead and 300, I was like, "Wow, this is a really good new filmmaker." I'm really excited about Zack Snyder and like everything that he's going to come out with. And like Watchmen was the first one where I was like, "Wait a minute, this is kind of bizarre." There's some questionable decisions. And like Watchmen was a weird one because he was such a slave to the comic and yet didn't seem to get the point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's I, like, I, I know, and I'm also the minority though. Like I agree that he did not understand the comic, but I will say this. I actually 
like his ending more than I do of the giant squid. In, in all in all seriousness, the, I, I I don't because what the problem with the film is the Watchmen, um, the Zack Snyder's film by Doctor Manhattan being blamed for it for it and then leaving it makes Doctor Manhattan actually a hero. Oh, I, I well, no, I That's just like I, I, I meant I, I meant the plan with Ozzy. I like I I just meant Ozzy Mendes's plan. I liked more okay. because I think if I had seen a big metal squid and then fighting it and then be like what this is a robot and like that would have been that would have been a really hard sell kind of like did Galactus. you watch the h did you watch the hbo watchman though oh yeah a thousand percent but and how the, the squid sequences were ex- executed it made me think oh this could have worked as a feature in a feature film that sequence with uh, i don't think zach snyder could have done it head guy <laughs> What's that? Yeah, yeah no that's a great show yeah no the show is great but also that that show is so much darker and had so much more time yeah i think that it would have worked if they made watchmen into a tv show as opposed to a film but but you literally think about no i i know what i know no i know what you mean but i think setting up because that show like you see squid from the thing and if you don't know anything let's just say People had never read the comic before. They saw the movie and then they watched the show, and they didn't know what the squids, or that the, the like the baby squids falling from the sky were. They would have assumed, okay, they're gonna explain it later on, and of course they don't. But then they kind of do as well in the show. Ozzyman does does talk about it, and when they go back into his, you know, his lab and and everything, and uh, from flashbacks, and and the thing is, is that they got time and like a lot of time to explain. What is happening? We're in the movie. I mean, that's a huge like one thing. It never. I don't think Watchmen should ever be one movie. <laughs> like that is a. It is a gigantic book that with lots of dialogue. It is a hard read. Um, like it's a great book, but it's hard to read it in the one sitting. And putting it into one film is like insane to me. So I but, think. But that's the thing. It's like at the time when Watchmen was made. The whole like limited series concept wasn't really like a common thing. That's it almost was done that though. Like, yeah. Watchmen before that was almost done as a limited series prior to that. Terry Gilliam <laughs> wanted to make it a, a mini series, mm-hmm. and like Netflix wasn't around or you know anything because like all like all these streaming platforms really like want to um, kind of experiment a little bit, like HBO or. Like, I mean, look at BBC and a lot of other countries, and, you know, a lot of countries also do the series thing. You know, look at anime, look at, look at the BBC shows, like, look at Sherlock, Doctor Who, all those, you know, six to ten episodes, or sometimes four. So I think if, if, like, he were to pitch it as a limited series at the time, I think Watchmen would have never been made, yeah. because it just wasn't a common thing to do it that way. I, so they said, okay, well, I have an idea for a movie, like, I'll just, might as well pitch it as a movie, because... You know, at the time, like, comic book movies were, like, started to become a really big thing or were commonplace, like, with yeah. Iron Man, The Dark Knight. And so it's, like, it, it would make more sense to sell that as a movie as opposed to... I mean, maybe that's true, but it, it almost got made at that, before that, as a limited series. We so should, We should probably go back to Sucker Punch. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, but, yeah, because... So it's I like, thought that the movie's uninteresting. I know. Like, so, and what, what I'm trying to say is that the that ending for Watchmen with uh, Dr. Manhattan being the one blamed and then him leaving Earth, because at the end of the comic, it's some... It's just these... It's not, you know, it's these yeah, interdimensional yeah. squids or that are created by Ozymandias, where in the movie, it's he cr- creates the illusion that Dr. Manhattan did it. So therefore, when Dr. Manhattan leaves... He, he becomes that external threat that Dr. Manhattan might do this again, so the world has to unite. But the problem is it makes Dr. Manhattan a hero 
And that just blows up the whole thing. And my point being is that I think it's an example where Zack Snyder has so much to say, but when you don't get it, you don't get it. Yeah. Batman and Batman versus Superman. I saw him talking about, you know, the, his version of Batman and his inspiration. And I don't even have a problem with a Batman that kills, but he was talking about the dark Knight returns and Batman doesn't kill in that. That's like a specific story point that Batman doesn't kill in that. There's a point where he's literally using rubber bullets and then the whole thing where then the Joker snaps his own neck to then make it look like he killed him. And there's like throughout the comic, there's like a list of crimes Batman's wanted for. And only after that does it add murder to it. Yeah, it's, so it, it's and like, he does in Batman and and the Dark Knight strikes again, uh, or strikes again, or something like that. The Batman strikes, whatever it's called, the the the, the shitty sequel the, that you, nobody yeah, should yeah, ever yeah. read. No, no, I know. Yeah, I know what you're saying. But yeah, that's never that's read the point, that though, Is that those things are just examples of like there's something really awesome that he just is. There's something missing, and you're missing the point. Yeah. And this movie where it's him completely doing what he wants it's a whole movie of missing the point yeah where it's like i want to be empowering and then i'm making it's but instead of making a fetish film yeah you know it, it's or it's it, just it, or like what paul said it's a music video that has no payoff and then at the end it just it has like this reveal where you're just like oh see it was her story the whole time and you're just like i don't fucking care like all their stories suck all of them suck fuck them fuck everybody in this movie like <laughs> like it's just like in my notes, I literally I mean, I, thing. like this movie is like Thousand Island. Like you have to have some lettuce in there for it to like <laughs> you know, taste good. You can't just have you, you need to dilute the bottle. The flavor, the flavor is fine if it's diluted a little bit. Like <laughs> yeah, exactly, you have to have some lettuce in there. Yeah, I don't know. Like I have to say, I think the thing that's tragic to me is like he's obviously very talented, a very good visual director, and like. He has some great ideas. It's just like it turns into a train wreck. And the thing is, is like it's kind of it's upsetting to me because he's like he has a lot of good elements to him. And he's obviously not like a hack like you bowl or some other director like like that. He's not a he's not a terrible or bad director. It's just he's a misguided director. So, yeah, I feel bad for him because I mean, I also feel bad because he gets the hate that somebody like like you bowl would get yeah no or um oh no no. let's let's compare him or let's compare it to like another thing like the hate in my Shyamalan deserves like that's (laughs) I hate in my Shyamalan I mean I think in my Shyamalan's different because he seems to be that there's like uh I there's a great film about like the history of independent film it talks about how like where Shyamalan came up in his first film that escapes me and I can't think of the name of the book it's in a it's in a box in here in the garage with me that I'm recording in and um, but he talks the book talks about Shyamalan and um, basically his ego before he was ever successful. He thought he was so great and be successful. The part of why I like Zack Snyder is I like Zack Snyder. Yeah. When I hear him talk, I just the person Zack Snyder. He's not like, a jerk. That's a dude. Yeah. No, he's a good dude. He seems like a good dude who cares about people and. His, you know, his family, for example, he had a great tragedy with the when he exited Justice League. And I, I care about him as a person. It's almost like I feel like when we're taking this movie part, I want him to succeed. I want him to succeed. It's 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 different with Shyamalan. I'm like, yeah, I want your movie to be bad because you seem like such a jerk. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, I, I want to add on to like what, like what the thing was, was Zack Snyder. It's like he really cared about this movie being empowering. Like he really, really did. And I don't blame him. I don't, I'm not saying that he that he made this a, 
uh, you know, not an empowering movie, but the exact opposite. It's not like really his fault of like what him trying to do. It's just the end result of what happens when you. Yeah, I, 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 I always think that a movie where the director has full a thousand percent control over is not the best thing in the world. I some I actually want studio involvement sometimes. I mean, Rogue One would have probably have been an entire mess had Disney not be like, "Hey, can we can we see a copy real quick?" Um, no, we're doing reshoots. Um, like all the notes and all the things that got leaked out and everything, it was just like it sounded like a, an absolute train wreck. I mean, and I will say like like with Zack Snyder with, you know, with the Justice, like he's never bashed Joss Whedon once. He never was upset. He never had anything like that. And I, I give him a lot of respect for that. Like, I think he is genuinely a great dude and who actually does have some really great stories. But again, he's just misguided, I feel like. Maybe it's just maybe he just got so big and that studios just kind of just let him do his own thing, maybe just too prematurely before he was able to grow more. I mentioned it before, but I feel like it's kind of like with J.J. Abrams, where he's known as being really good with a pitch. And he's talked about that. I've seen him talk about that. He's like his dad was in the industry and he would sit and play action figures as his dad would pitch. I wonder if that's part of it with Zack Snyder. He's so good visually. He can probably create a pitch, have a few things that will blow you away visually and just sell it on that in that way. But then there's a lack of substance in the story again. And I think that's what the problem is. But he, I feel like he must be one of those guys that, I mean, I, I would imagine, like, if I'm in a room with him and he's telling me, I remember when I was at Comic-Con, I'm sure you guys are both there, the one and only time I did Hall, Hall H, um, he comes out at the end of the Warner Brothers panel and he's like, oh, one more thing, one more thing. And he brings out uh, Harry Lennox to read that part. Yeah. He, he reads a line from the amazing, from Batman, from the Dark Knight Returns. He's like, I'm not saying it's this, but it's based on this. And the energy of that guy in that moment, totally, I can see how, when he talks about these things, you're like, oh, okay, it'll be brilliant. And then do what you want. And then, oh, we should have kept the closer tabs on him. Yeah. And then what happens is he goes too far in this direction unchecked because you don't want to hear the like, studio interference is always like this negative thing. But if you have the right support system, the right people, the right team, then you're good. When it's a panel of executives who are just like may saying things, that's not necessarily the case, but there are certain instances where they can help guide it in the right direction when it's particularly when it's creative people or producers who have experience, not just like board members, that kind of yeah. studio, yeah. The, you know, the right kind of studio interference as opposed to like, you know, some executive in a suit. So God, I'm just trying to think like, like I think I actually might prefer Zack Snyder over JJ Abrams. Now, like the last movie I, relatively liked of jj abrams was super eight and even then like i, I rewatched it and it was like oh this really isn't that great and then even the even even the first star trek movie isn't even like the greatest it's it was what star trek needed but it's still not like that amazing i don't know if i like anything of his since alias that he directed because <laughs> mission impossible what? 3 was terrible like Oh, and, and the DP on this, Larry Fong, also did Super 8, I believe. Hmm. Well, I, I think I actually will prefer Zack Snyder over J.J. Abrams. Oh, that's... I don't know. I mean, I think they have the same problem where they're good visually, but as a storyteller, they're kind of lacking. Yeah. Or with J.J. Abrams, he likes to take certain elements of like Spielberg movies and incorporate it into, into his own movies. 
Um, I think I, J.J. Abrams is different. It's not it's not that he's a bad he's a great visual director or anything. I think he's okay at that at best. But yeah. I think he's great at characters, great at characters, but not necessarily at story. Yeah, because so he's great, he, a great great characters, and it's like, well, I don't know what to do with them now. Playing like Lost, you know, he directed like the pilot for Lost, and those episodes are like the first season of Lost is so amazing. I don't know. You know, most people's relationship is like with, with Lost is like, oh, hey, you know, the last episode wasn't very good. But if you watch that first season, it's like so amazing. It's like the best, like one of the best seasons of television like ever. And J.J. Abrams had like a lot to do with that first season. And then he well, left. You're, well, your boy from Watch, not your boy. I don't know why I said it that way. But Damon, uh, what's the last name? Lindelof. Yes, yeah. thank you. But he was a big, big uh, reason why that came together. He like JJ oh, yeah. Abrams was working on it, and then he came in and. Oh, I thought JJ okay. Abrams created it. I thought it was his baby, his inception. No, it was someone else prior to JJ, I believe. And then JJ came in, and then Damon Lindelof came in. I think uh, it's been a while oh, since. Was, I, there was so. an executive that had the idea for Lost, and he pitched it to JJ Abrams, and JJ Abrams and uh, Damon Lindelof like they kind of finessed it into the story that it became. Um, there's another guy that was with their team, uh, Carlton Hughes. Carlton Hughes. Yeah. yeah. So he was another one. Those three kind of, you know, molded into what it was. But because I, I believe there was a pilot that existed before J.J. Abrams of, you know, lost in a very different sense. But once they came in, it went a very different direction. So we're like all over the place. This is... This oh, is, I know. This is the most wonderful episode in some ways. <laughs> and because me, I like always like to sort of... It's funny because... When I host, and I, I think I'm still hosting this, right? I don't even know anymore. I don't but when know I host, <laughs> doesn't even matter. When I host, I like to break things down though in terms of story. And the problem is, is, is I don't know the story. Do. Okay, yeah, so that's... they go from one room to the next room, fantasy. Then they go back to that room into another room, and everything looks the same. Oscar Isaac yells. There's a gun for some reason, even though there's security. They're dancing in a club for some reason. Uh, clearly these women are kidnapped and the doctor should know this, but he doesn't care. And, or like, uh, they're, they're, it's like more of a hostage situation. There's no way that this is publicly funded because of, I don't know, there, there are checks for this stuff. Like I, I would think that, you know, OSHA and, you know, the, the state for, you know, an insane asylum would come in and check it out and see, Oh, look, there's a club here. Wait a second. The, the 1940s or whenever, though. So no, I, this is current time. I think the movie is current time because if you go when they go outside with all those cars, they're like modern cars. I don't remember there being modern. Cars. Somebody has a Honda Accord out there or something. <laughs> yeah, I no, right. I, I believe it's all Honda Fit. I'm kidding. I don't know. But that's, I, the thing. <laughs> that's the problem with this movie. It's so I'm, like, I'm looking this up. It's so ambiguous. You know, you should know exactly what the motivations of the characters are. You should know what the storyline is. You should know these things, like, visually, like, what's happening, like, you know. 1960s. Okay, so. 1960s? Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's like, a lot of it is so confusing, and and that's the thing. It's like the first, in the first, like, five minutes, I was confused as to how the little sister died. And, you know, that's, like, the, the main thrust of the story the cars are from the 1960s, so Tyler's saying there's modern cars. That tells you how long it's been since Tyler's been outside of the house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if you go to Cuba. It's like, oh, that's the newest 1957 <laughs> Chevrolet. It's brand new. This is over, by the way. Are we, I mean, still, are we still listening to cassette tapes? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, he tracks. He tracks. I mean, I also maybe just wasn't 
caring and, and, and focusing maybe is also the other thing is, is, is I just saw I just saw cars. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. I don't <laughs> I don't know. I this movie is one of those hard watches where I just didn't care, still don't care, and will never care again. And anybody who really likes this movie, I don't think that I don't think like anything bad about them. I just want to be like I, I just I want to like I don't even want to ask them why I'll just be like okay and that's it like I, I I just if people like this movie that's great enjoy what you enjoy love what you love that is totally fine if you like this movie great but I don't care <laughs> like I don't like and this is yeah. like one of those few movies where like I I will. I will argue about Green Lantern, even though I don't even like Green Lantern. I will still argue that it's not terrible, even though I know it's terrible. It's the weirdest phenomenon. This one is just like whatever. Like I will argue about the room till like well, until the day I die. It's so funny because if I were to choose between the two of these movies, I would rather choose this over Green Lantern because at least Sucker Punch has like a unique vision, and visually it's like very impressive. Whereas Green Lantern is just like, I mean, and this movie's kind of Green boring. Lantern has a story, but Green it might yeah. not be so, perfect so or well executed, and it's, it's relatively funny. I mean, we, there's some jokes in it. I mean, there's some good performances in it too. Where this movie, like, like I even like, I, I think Oscar Isaac is one of the greatest actors working today. I think that um, what's her name? Oh my god, why am I forgetting her name? Oh, I love her so much. And she, uh, Car- Carla, Carla, um, Carla. Uh, yeah, I think she's an absolute phenomenal actress. I really do. And, you know, you've John Hamm in this movie. I don't think anybody outside of Jenna Malone, Vanessa Hudgens, and Jamie Chung were good. Like, I don't even think Sweet Pea was that great. I thought she was just kind of like, whatever. I mean, I- here's the thing. It's like, when I see a movie, I think, how miserable is this movie making me? <laughs> and Green Lantern made me more miserable than this movie did. Really? So, I would have- Put this movie over Green Lantern, not by much, mind you. <laughs> it's still it's still a turd, you know. You know this yeah. this turd happens to have a little corn in it or something, and so it's still a turd though. But it's a turd I prefer. See, yeah, to me. <laughs> Wait, you want the turd with a corn in it? I don't. That, how is that better? <laughs> I don't know. It that just, seems it's way terrible. worse. I don't need to see an undigested piece of corn. <laughs> Hey. I have little kids and a dog. Absolutely. I have I have enough poop in my life, Paul. <laughs> I, I will say that to me, to me, this is the worst kind of movie where it is just where it is it is so middling that is aggravating because like again, it is a beautiful to look at and an okay story. It's just the worst storytelling and just and a lot of just uh, uh, just bad decisions. Of, but the the story is so is so it, it, like the concept is good. The story is so yeah. thin. Though. The concept is oh she she killed her sister. She has to go to this asylum to deal with it. The weird thing is at the beginning there's also stuff with the dad and a will and yeah. that's never resolved in any way. Not at all. We don't need that. Like her father can be awful and she's it, it, the father doesn't. It's it's irrelevant almost. Yeah. All he has to say because, is you try to kill your sister. You're in you're you're in here yeah. now. That's but it. what it should be is the, the 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 everything she goes through should reveal something about her trauma, and it doesn't. None of it does. Like as I'm watching it, I wrote down one one thing. I wrote down: Are these things supposed to mean anything? 
in terms of like her trauma and it, it doesn't. No. And if it does, I have to, I don't want to have to watch it with Zack Snyder to have him personally explain it to me. Yeah, I know. I, I, I feel like, I, I feel like there is like the reason why they brought in the whole will be plot line is to make you think that she's going to get out maybe or something like I, 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 that's the only thing I can think of as to why that storyline is even or brought up like him talking to Jason or uh, Oscar either. I keep calling him Jason Isaac. Um, <laughs> great actor as well. But, um, but Oscar Isaac, like him talking to him was just all that was unnecessary. All he had to say was like, was, was him dropping her off and the doctor being like, we'll take care. Ta- we'll take care of her here. Here's the tour. But that's the other thing is he would do a tour without her first. That's how they do it. They don't bring yeah, in the yeah. patient and then they don't do the tour with the parent. They bring in the parent first to show them what's I mean, happening and then they yeah. transport like whatever. But still, when I board, when I board my dog, I don't take my dog to the facility. I, I look at the facility first and that's my dog. Yeah. And, <laughs> and like my daughter, even if I'm a bad father, yeah. I'm leaving my kid there. So, so if that was what he was going for, it did not work. <laughs> Um, I like, you know, you you don't need a big aha like like I, the whole ending with Sweet Pea going into the bus and everything like that was like this whole like it was just a scene that was just screaming out like aha I got you and you're just like yeah you know the scene before this was her escaping right like we saw her escape you know like we you know we we saw that you didn't yeah. do anything this isn't an aha moment because we literally saw her escape. <laughs> Like that's the yeah. thing is that you see them there and then and like a better reveal would have been would have been like baby doll just being like okay just just stay or, you know just stay here and watch this and then cuts and then it's like and then does like a Skyrim thing where it just kind of like fades in fades out and then you just see Sweet Pea waiting for the bus and then she's about to get on they stop her and the bus driver talks and then they and then they and then they drive away that. That is a twist ending where you think that baby oh, doll oh, uh, thought of a plan me, uh, and that she's not sorry. there. The only thing I liked about the ending was, but again, I love John Glenn in the movie because he's just so good. Even though there's no context for his character, I like that he's there, at least as far as this movie. But yeah. that was it. That's the only thing I liked about that. Like, I would have liked if actually those fantasy sequences become the reality, and those fantasy sequences are her re- reality, and everything in the brothel and all that, all that stuff is a fantasy. You know, there's like a reversal in that way. Well, I think the whole thing is about escapism and dealing with trauma is what the fantasy so, yeah. is. So that but, would have definitely affected. Like, hmm. It's that, you know, she eventually becomes part of that world that she escapes into, and that becomes her reality. Like, I think that would be kind of neat. A neat twist. That becomes a reality as opposed well, to... Well, maybe... I, li- I like that idea, no, that that becomes her reality, baby doll, and that becoming her reality then lo- allows Sweet Pea to then actually escape. So by her being consumed with her insanity, essentially, she allows someone else freedom that she can never have. That I like. So, there you go. Exactly. Like, That's and I'll say this. For, you know, think, I'm actually working on a novel um, called The Paperboy, and it's a story of a newspaper carrier boy. Is it that, a sequel to this? I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's a prequel to the middle part of this movie. No, but there's a part where in my story, the, the basis of my story is the Paperboy character finds the corpse of a little boy in the forest, right? And that little boy proceeds to then haunt him throughout the film. Spoiler and we alert. Then have, yeah, throughout the story. Yeah. Well, that part happened. I was joking. I was just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> No one's going to buy it now. Um, <laughs> so, 
<laughs> like every sucker punch fan is like, I'm not buying that guy's book. So, but in the story, what I was going for was there's a part that is essentially your uh, prologue, right? Where it's that little boy and the horrible thing that happens to him that results in his death. And essentially he escapes into a fantasy world of comic books and cartoon characters. He's a very little boy to allow himself to cope with what's happening. Cause he knows he's being killed by someone. He knows he's being abused, but he can't, he's being part of it being a child. He can't even understand it on an adult level. So he literally sees it as, you know, the bad guy in super friends kind of thing. That's his level of understanding. So yeah. he escapes into that fantasy world and he, dies in our world but he's he's in a sense okay because he's in that fantasy world and i didn't even think about that as i was watching this but what paul said that would have been a really you know if that fantasy becomes that and whereas it's the escape for the other character but it just i don't think they were thinking that much about it yeah that's the way I mean, it strikes I, me yeah I, I, honestly like well, one thing that reminds me, uh, and uh, I hate myself for knowing this. It's just I had people who made me watch it. It reminds me of the Once Upon a Time with um, the the Peter Pan and Once Upon a Time, the whole the whole thing where like Peter Pan was actually evil and stuff like that, and taking kids basically to like the afterlife of never. Like, I know, unfortunately, I, unfortunately, I watched like four seasons. I watched like four seasons of, of Once Upon a Time, and it's literally one of the worst shows I've ever seen. And I hated every single second of it. No, the first season was like okay ish and then it just kept going you're like no and then i i ugh, relationships anyway um is this after you watched uh, disney descendants oh god no i will never watch i hate ugh, disney um anyway um no i i just <laughs> i i've never seen descend descendants i i no no thank you um, i mean i've seen the george clooney movie which i love but not yes, the I love disney version <laughs> once i was talking once we were talking i forget what it was we were at like the disney store and we're buying something and the girl was like talking about something with the descendants and Judy and I are both like not knowing what the Disney descendants was thinking of the George Clooney film. And we're so confused. We're like, what you sell like <laughs> dresses with the descendants. Yeah. And then is it the mom? Is it dead? Is she, was yeah. she on a boat? Like we sell the boat. We sell the boat here. <laughs> like, and then like she showed us and we're like, Oh, this is definitely not what we were thinking. Yeah. Oh my god, I love the descendants. This is what we gotta do when we go back in this. We need to have a tally of how many things other than Sucker Punch we've talked about. I, I, think, I, think, we're, I think I'm okay with ending this, this episode. No, I think that it's a good point to wrap up. Because we did, like, in terms of the film, we did we did talk about it to conclusion. Um, any final thoughts on Sucker Punch? We really, I mean, we really said over and over again, I think we all agree, it's just, it's missing story. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah it's just... It's bad. This is a bad film. This is a very, very, very bad film. Watch Birds of Prey instead, because I feel like that's what this movie was trying to be. <laughs> now I have to see Birds of Prey, which I haven't seen. I, it's I so do. Good. It's, it's pretty good. It's my favorite DC film. It. I enjoyed it. So, like, uh, so basically, I mean, would you recommend this to anybody? No, absolutely not. No. Zero. Yeah, I wouldn't. I really wouldn't. Not even like on a sense of like how we were discussing it. Yeah. Unless you have a podcast or something that you yeah. want to talk about bad movies. Like, I, it's not even – it's really not worth watching because there are just so many things that, 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 that – even when they're bad, they're bad in a way that are engaging. Yeah, and and, and the whole time I'm just like, I want to watch something else even though I picked this movie. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to say that I do recommend it but with an asterisk. 
And the asterisk is this. <laughs> if you're a film student and you want to learn how not to make a film, then watch this film. Well, I mean, that, I mean you can say that to anybody with a bad film. No, I would say I would say for them instead, um, you know, watch something else. Well, watch an In My Shyamalan well, movie. I, That's I, it. I, you know, I, I would say that th- with this movie because there's a lot of things about it, like visually that are very successful and really well done. But there's like certain missing elements that, you know, make it a complete package. So I think it's like a really good. But it's like a nine out of ten. missing Go ahead. Sorry, Paul. I'm just saying it's a really good movie to analyze about about like, you know, for like a film student or like doing a student film to realize like what's really important. Like what what are the basic things you need before you go visually go all crazy? Like, uh, again, you know. this is not a bad film. This is a very middling film that's aggravating because it had potential. That's how I view this. Yeah, I mean... I, I, I think I, it's bad. I think it's bad. I mean, I, I think it's bad, but... And I, I like... I, I really feel like... I almost feel guilty because I, I really... I just like Zack Snyder. And I, I'm, I'm a bit of an apologist for him in other senses, even though, like, sometimes I, I get very frustrated when he misses. Like, I've talked about it a lot in this. So, but... Before I saw it, like I knew that it had wasn't good, and I wanted to like it. I wanted to have that counter opinion that, but I couldn't at all. There's there was just nothing for me to latch onto and say, well, this was good, this was working, because nothing was, and that almost yeah. makes me sadder. I mean, I, I I like I like Zack Snyder. I like Dawn of the Dead. I I like I love uh, Legend of Gahul or the um, the uh, Owls uh, of Gahul. I. You know, I, I, I do like his cut of Batman v Superman. I think, I, I think it's fine, but I'm also a DC fanboy. Um, I, you know, I'm, You're the one. yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm fine. What? That's fine. I mean, I, I wanted, I, I wanted, I wanted a dark Batman, Batman Superman movie and I got it. Um, it's just, did. It, it's just, it, did. it's just, it's just a bad script, but I think he actually understood the directing part and the storytelling part a little bit better, especially compared to this film. There was a coherent story in that in that movie. It was just a few stupid things, Martha, and you know, and like you know, Martha. I just got it. Oh my god, that was the name of both of their moms. That's so deep. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, I mean, one thing is, uh, like for me, I saw Three Hundred. I really liked it. I saw Down the Dead. I really liked it. Watchmen. I I, I liked it. I, I, I like Watchmen. Good. I I, I, I love is, I love the I love so when I, I love Rorschach escaping the prison. Like it's like one of the coolest freaking. Well, let me let me finish. Like I'll say this: I, I own all of Zack Snyder's comic book movies. I own them. So hmm. and yeah, I don't know. I mean, I came into the movie uh, thinking that oh, I'm going to watch 300 or something. I enjoy. I, like I was hoping that it was going to be a good movie because Zack Snyder at that point didn't do me wrong. Yeah. And then I saw this and was just like disappointed. But I was like, oh, okay, well, it's a misstep. He's a new director. But I didn't think that this was going to be an ongoing issue. From here on out. Like, I didn't think this was going to be like a trend. I thought well, it was just a misstep. Yeah, and that's how people felt about in my Shyamalan after, um, you know, after uh, Unbreakable. Like, and, yeah. but, you know, like, I, I still think Unbreakable is his only good film. And um, even oh, then, like, his old, his, old, his old roommate yeah. sued him and basically said that he wrote the script. And like at the time, and everyone's like, "No, there's no way he wrote Six Sense." And then, of course, he started making more movies. And I was just like, "There's no fucking way he wrote Unbreakable." There's absolutely no goddamn way he wrote Unbreakable. And I still will okay, die. Okay, what's what's the tally of other things up to now? That uh, Sucker uh, Punch. <laughs> t- <laughs> you, take take a shot. Re-listen to this podcast. Take a shot every single time we talk about a different film. <laughs> 
and <laughs> die of alcohol. The good news is you can't really go anywhere, right? You're staying yeah. home right now. X-Men so, first class is <laughs> yes. Um, but thank and we'll, we'll 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 leave it at that. So thank you so much for listening to us talk about Sucker Punch a little bit and a whole lot of other things. Uh, I feel like this is a a kind of stupid movie. That's a harsh word, but it's kind of a dumb movie that really wants to be smart. And I guess there's yeah. something to that. So I get got to give it some credit that it does want to be that. And I and I can see that upon discussing it at least maybe not upon watching it but so it, it at least it's worth a conversation tyler can i have one more jab at m night Shyamalan? i will say that <laughs> <laughs> this <laughs> I, I did not know i like that was like the last thing i thought you would then say but i, I, I want to hear it I, I'm, I'm gonna bounce off of what you're saying this is a dumb movie that is trying so hard to be smart and it has the potential for it Unlike, uh, it's kind of like what happened with The Happening, minus the fact that M. Night Shyamalan directed it, um, is that, like, The Happening was, had, like, an interesting twist. It actually did have an interesting twist in an actual plot. It's just the story leading up to it was just so freaking shitty, and M. Night Shyamalan can't direct to save his life, that, uh, you know, that that's why the movie sucks so hard, and that's why it, that is a massive, like, like, that to me is a bad film, where nothing, like, where, like, the what? whole buildup no. is absolute dog shit. Like, like, like it's horrible. the The acting is bad. The script is bad. The twist is fine, but it's just it's 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 nothingness. At least with this movie, when we got to see the the ending and the twist of sweet of sweet pea, I actually was just I, I actually was just like, oh okay. Like it didn't phase me, but it didn't anger me like watching the happening. So that's why I'm saying like this is a very middling film, and that's why it annoys me. I don't think this is a bad film. Uh, the ending still made me be like, oh, okay. And there were certain parts of it where I was like, yeah, this is cool. And like, and it's a gorgeous film. It, this movie was hard to watch for me to focus, but The Happening, because I was on a podcast talking about The Happening, that one took me five tries to watch. And I was a lot more focused and on medicine back then. Where now I'm not on medicine. <laughs> and that is an, I, you know, that, I, I, I just wanted to give this movie credit and bounce off what you said. And also do one more jab at M. Night Shyamalan because fuck that guy. <laughs> I think this movie broke Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> it, th- this movie... I don't think this movie did. I think it was M. Night Shyamalan just in general that broke Tyler. <laughs> and this movie this movie might have sort of you know pulled out, like opened up some wounds. Yeah, right. He pulled up a thread. But, but, okay, I, I guess I can say this because there's no way in hell that this person's going to listen to this podcast. Um, I have a friend. I have friends who very much love this film for some reason. And one of them wrote like an entire essay of of of, of a um uh, on on Facebook as as a post, say stating that people just don't get it and like maybe I I don't remember I, I'm thinking maybe this word sexist was, was was thrown around that's fine whatever I don't I don't like I I don't I just don't think it's empowering because I have seen empowering films like I I know I'm not I am not a woman and I can't speak for it but the thing is that I have seen films that have empowered the masses and I have done a lot more. Like I like look example, case in point, Harley Quinn, almost every single female friend of mine who have seen that movie, you know, like even if they didn't like the movie, they were just like, hell yeah though. Like they were badass. And I'm like, you see, that's awesome. This movie, like me watching it, it's just subjection and like then and boringness. And like these characters, like how are you finding something empowering when you don't have characters that have characteristics like what we were talking about? They don't, they're just blah. How do you relate to them? 
Like, they're nothing. They don't mean anything. And, like, Jenna, um, you know, Jenna Malone's character, Rocket, is the only one that had any slight of a personality or even anything. And, like, then they killed her off. Like, that's shitty. And so, and, and you know, I don't understand. And, like, th- th- this person who wrote the status was, like, adamant about, like, how everybody was wrong and, and that they're overlooking this film. And now I'm watching it, and I'm like, there's, I just don't understand how you got to this destination with that. Like, it's just, just, this is just, this is just a movie that could be warranted for that, for a long ass essay, Facebook post. But then watching it now, I'm just like, it had the potential, but now, like if I ever see this post somehow, if you, if you post it from like a memory, I'm just going to laugh at you because this is not the movie to die on that rock. <laughs> and with that, we will say farewell and adieu. Thank you for letting us talk about a movie that wants to be about sort of the power of storytelling and imagination, but unfortunately isn't. It is not Atonement. It is not Life of Pi. It is Sucker Punch. Thank you for listening. And Tyler, where can they find us talking about these things? All righty. Well, thanks for listening in. Thank you for listening to Tyler talk about M. Night Shyamalan and a bunch of other (laughs) stuff. And uh, you can listen to all of our shows on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Stitcher, and any podcast app. If you can't find us, please let us know. Also, go to our website, thegrandgeekgathering.com, because our article will have a lot more information as well. We have seven other podcasts. I also stream on Twitch five times a week. We have our YouTube where we have Let's Plays. We have this show is also posted on YouTube as well. We have the Grand Geek Eatery and so much more. Uh, Our music has been provided by Carlisle Laurent. And uh, thank you guys so much for being here. Josiah, where can they find your, your YouTube channel and all the other stuff? You can find me on YouTube, Instagram. Josiah is right, W-R-I-T-E, where I talk about M. Night Shyamalan and how much I love him constantly. Yeah. That's yeah. what I do. Yeah. <laughs> that he's a writing genius and that he is. <laughs> I do think Unbreakable is a genius film. I will say that. But Absolutely. yes, where you can find me, Josiah is right, W-R-I-T-E. Alrighty. And Paul, where can they find you? Uh, Here. At just, home, that's it. Doing this. <laughs> All right. I just like wait till we do the podcast. Yeah. We have to wait. Yeah, Paul just hunched, is staring at his uh his, his webcam. I, yeah, I stare and wait for the Skype call to happen. He's waiting for that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, that beep and like I perk up and everything. Yeah, you boot, you boot up. You're like, <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Awesome. Alrighty, well. Come and join the gathering. Have a great week and GGG. Yeah. What's on the silver screen? I got some takes you wouldn't believe. Grand Geek Gathering. <laughs>